The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by tripinsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. So happy to have you here, my friend. On this episode, we'll get a review of Royal Caribbean's Adventure of the Seas from Don. Uh, we'll check in with Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, fresh back from Germany, where he was checking out Norwegian Escape here in a couple of minutes. But first, some housekeeping things. Uh, don't forget about our Cruise Radio Insider Facebook group. We'd love to have you join us. Just search Cruise Radio Insider on Facebook. Also, Cruise Radio News. It's our daily quick hits of the news. It's a podcast. So it can be found on iTunes and the Stitcher Radio Network and, of course, on our articles at cruiseradio.net. So uh, all, the show, all the links will be added in the show notes at cruiseradio.net as well. So um, looking forward to you joining us there. Stuart Chiron, the cruise guy, is back from Germany, and he's on the line. What's up, Stuart? Hey, Doug. How's it going? Good. So you are fresh off the plane from Poppenburg, Germany, where you were hanging out with Norwegian Escape, Norwegian Cruise Line's next cruise ship. Uh, how was it over there? What would you do? Well, we were supposed to do the conveyance, which means uh, you know, we take the ship out of the yard and uh, it heads up to uh, Emshaven, uh, where it'll be for four days, uh, you know, getting uh, in the finishing stages, and then it's going to head over to uh, uh, Bremerhaven uh, for uh, the final completion. Um, so it was uh, pretty exciting, but uh, because of the the weather, the winds were too high. Uh, you know, this you know, when the ships are going up the river backwards, up the river Ems, mm-hmm. I mean, you're coming within inches of the sides and it could be inches off the bottom of of the uh, um, the riverbank and uh, you know the river floor and you know they the winds were too high for them to take it out that day so instead we got a really nice uh, tour we spent about three hours on her uh, you know going from top to bottom uh, you're seeing all the different features that the ship has to offer and it really is quite an experience seeing seeing a ship in such a incomplete stage and uh, you know try to grasp what would you know what it is what it's going to look like when when it's all done but uh it really has uh it, it really looks like it's gonna be a very nice ship well i was checking out your pictures on twitter and uh, they look really cool i'll link them in the show notes at cruiseradio.net talk to us about some of the features inside the ship because i noticed there isn't going to be an illusionarium on there no the uh, illusionarium was replaced by a supper club which mm-hmm. really kind of started back uh, on their ships uh you know they were some of their first Specialty restaurants, which was actually La Bistra back in 1988 um, on Seaward. But uh, it, uh, they're trying a new concept. It'll be a nice, it'll have uh, entertainment. It looks very pretty, uh, very plush, and uh, it'll kind of look like, you know, back in the old days, uh, you know, to a typical supper club with the, you know, the, the half moon tables and, uh, you know, the little stage. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, they just. Illusionarium was unique to Norwegian Getaway. Uh, I, I think it was great. We've you know had some very good shows uh, in there. It's uh, it's very technical, technologically advanced, and you know they they've just redone it. So we'll see how that works out. But uh, you know I guess they're they're trying to do some new stuff. 
Um, you know, they've got new bars. You know, we saw the new, uh, it's gotta be five o'clock somewhere for Jimmy Buffett. Mm-hmm. And we also saw the Margaritaville area, um, the Miami, uh, you know, the, the tobacco road from Miami. So the, the skyline lounge, uh, instead of bliss. So, I mean, there's a lot of similarities, but there are also a lot of changes. And, uh, the, one of the most notable was the, the Haven, you know, they, they heard, uh, they needed to make it bigger. They needed a bigger reception area. So they did respond. The cabins, um, many of the cabins got uh, uh, changed, but uh, you'll notice some similarities. But uh, you know, the ship is going from 145, 145,000 tons to about 165,000. Um, so there, there were some modifications, and uh, you know, the, look, the ship looked great. Well, we're looking forward to seeing Norwegian Escape in Miami. Uh, I believe her naming ceremony is on November 9th, isn't it? It is. Very nice. And on the subject of Norwegian Cruise Line, so they have their daily service charge of uh, thirteen fifty per person per day, which every guest is charged. Well, you know, back before today, you could actually have those removed if you wanted to. Well, a new policy is in effect where you cannot remove the daily service charge aboard the ship. You have to do it – you have 30 days to have it removed by emailing Norwegian Cruise Line once you get back. Are we tracking here, Stuart? Am I saying this correctly? You are, Doug. And, you know, for a lot of people, I mean, the, the service charge, is, it's, it's not to remove it. It's to adjust it up or down depending mm-hmm. on the level of service that you receive. And um, essentially what a lot of people don't understand, in, in the passenger contract, um, Norwegian is the only cruise line that uh, describes, uh, that includes what the service charges are. They're not gratuities. They refer to them as service charges. And it says certain members of the carrier's crew are compensated by a combination of salary and incentive programs that are funded in part by the service charge paid by each guest. The charge, which is automatically added to your onboard account and subject to adjustment at your discretion, is intended to reward service provided in all departments and job categories and is distributed to employees according to the carrier's evaluation of job performance. So that means that not all of your money is that you intend to, your, your busboy, your cabin steward, your waiter, are getting to them. Yeah. So if you give, well, let's say, $100 to your cabin steward, he'll get a percentage of it. He's not going to get all of it. And it's based on their evaluation of his job performance, not yours. The second part of that is, uh, is that a portion of the service charge collected by the carrier, and carrier being NCL, is also used for fleet-wide crew welfare programs. This is a charge that they are charging and is not going directly to all of the people you've intended to, not, not, and it's not all the amount. But what the passengers were able to do, Doug, was they were able to dispute. So if they got crummy service, they said, you know what, we're going to reduce the service fee by $30 per person in our cabin. Mm-hmm. So to create more problems for the passenger and a huge inconvenience, they're saying that, yeah, fill out a form and we'll evaluate it. We'll, we'll see if your claim has merit. So <laughs> it's, it's interesting because I promise you, if you wanted to add another $50 or another $100 because you received excellent service, mm-hmm. they would be more than happy to <laughs> take the additional money uh, at, at that time. Right. But if you've had really bad service and you want to adjust it, they're telling you, you know what, uh, don't worry, you, know, we're, we're, you can't do anything about it now. Send in a form, and you know we'll see if your complaint has any merit. Well, I mean, if you've got a complaint and you're making a charge, then you deal with it at the time. But what's what's concerning is, and it's it's kind of like Doug. It may be 
like you know when they they said you can't take food back to your cabin. Mm-hmm. This may get reversed if enough people complain, but the fact that they have to make this change now, you know, I mean, you know, how many people are are, are attempting to do this? Yeah. And if they're getting that many people complaining about it on board the ships, then they may have bigger problems than than what's being decided here because it, it shouldn't ha- it shouldn't you know be happening that uh, it, it's a big problem that so many people are complaining or wanting to adjust the charges down. You know, why continue to make you know more work for the shoreside people, and why inconvenience the passengers any further? Well, like, what is your thoughts though with a cruise line making this move, saying, "Hey, you can't have them removed on the sailing; you have to dispute them within thirty days when you get back." Do you think that's a bold move? I, I, I think it's a wrong move. Because wrong move. The first thing that I think a lot of smart people will be is they'll just going to call the credit card company and they're just going to dispute it. Right. Um, I didn't allow the charge; I disputed it on board. I'm disputing it now, and then they're going to have you know uh, issues with their credit card issuer. It's it's dumb. Yeah, I gotcha. it's, it's not it's not a smart move. They should handle it at the time. And again, if if they're having so many people on each sailing complaining about the service, then like I said, I think they've got better bigger issues to deal with. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Inconvenience the passengers further. Yeah, totally. Moving on here, Carnival Cruise Lines cuts lobster on short cruises. A lot of people fired up about this. You know, lobster is popular, lobster is unpopular, uh, not too many people on the short cruises are eating the lobster. There could be some people saying, well, it may be because the, you know, the, the cruise fares on the short sailings um, aren't uh, you know, big enough, but uh, you know, who knows what was going on. Um, but they are changing their, um, you know, I mean, how many other cruise lines are offering lobster? Yeah. Uh, none. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, but they are coming up with other dining, you know, options, other other menu options that they think will be more popular. A couple of the uh, menu options that they're adding is blue crab ravioli, oven baked Japanese sea bass, grilled jumbo shrimp with marinara sauce, and roasted duck with orange uh, orange glaze. So, uh, I think I could get two or three orders of the ravioli. Well, you know, I'm happy there. You know. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I mean, they they are introducing new options. That I think will be more appeal will be appealing to more people. Moving on here to celebrity cruises, adding a late night service charge. Is it would we call it a service charge or delivery fee? What would we call that? It is a service. It is a service charge. It is a delivery fee. Okay. Same so. thing. Bottom line is they're going to charge you a three ninety five uh, if you want anything delivered to your room between uh, eleven p.m. and, and uh, what is it six at six six a.m. You know how many people? I don't think it's going to be a whole lot of people uh, that that wanted it, but. Uh, where you had other cruise lines where they were charging the service fees, they were also including upgraded menu items on, on there. But, you know, it's only $4, so is it really necessary? You know, it, it seems kind of petty to me. Do you think that cruise lines put these charges to kind of um, reduce their labor overnight for the room service? Like, not as many people will order room service, so they don't have to staff as many people overnight? I don't think it's, it's going to be a major deterrent. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, we saw the, you know, the, the midnight buffets have, have gone away because there are more dining opportunities, so people aren't having to eat in first or second seating and then wait you know, uh, a few hours uh, until the midnight buffet to get full again. Mm-hmm. That concept has gone away. I mean, how many people are, are ordering room service and you know, do you really need to stick it to them, you know, that late? Gotcha. So, but, uh, I would point out that uh, it does not apply to passengers sailing in concierge class and above. We've been talking with Stuart Shearer on The Cruise Guy. Find him online at cruiseguy.com or follow him on Twitter at Cruise Guy. Thank you, Stuart. You got
got it. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Every day, thousands of cruisers set sail to the Caribbean and are increasingly choosing their shore excursions through cruisingexcursions.com. Why cruising excursions? With prices up to 60% lower than cruise lines, around-the-clock customer service, and guarantees that give you a peace of mind, why not? So whether you're looking to zip line in Jamaica, snorkel in Nassau, or see Mayan ruins in Mexico, market-leading specialist cruisingexcursions.com has you covered. Book your family's next shore excursion at cruisingexcursions.com. We always like to get your cruise reviews. If you have one you'd like to share, shoot me an email, Doug, at cruiseradio.net. Don Buccalo and his family just got back from a seven-night Southern Caribbean sailing aboard Royal Caribbean's Adventure of the Seas. And Don joins us on the line this evening. Hey, Don, what's up? How you doing, my friend? Good, man. This was a different kind of sailing for you because your itinerary got all kind of jumbled because of Hurricane Danny, didn't it? It did, actually. And Tropical Storm Erica kind of came into the mix mid-cruise. So it was definitely not the cruise we planned for, but uh, we may do with the two hurricanes in the area. Well, a cruise is a cruise, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. Very nice. Well, uh, let's talk about uh, some pre-cruise thoughts. So before we step foot on the ship, tell us why you wanted to take this sailing out of Puerto Rico. There were a couple of reasons, and we normally don't cruise this time of year, late August, early September, specifically because of the potential for hurricanes, but this was a special sailing. We were taking um, my mother-in-law on a cruise for her 60th birthday and then my sister-in-law for her 30th birthday, so it was just kind of, as you mentioned, a family cruise, and just so happened that their birthdays are around this time of year, mm-hmm. and it was just easier for them to get time off from work, so we decided, oh, well, there haven't been that many hurricanes. This can't be too bad, so let's just book it for late August. What made you want to cruise this ship? Was it the itinerary? It was. Neither one, uh, neither my mother-in-law or sister have ever been on a cruise. So we've done a bunch of cruises, as you know. And looking around at ships and different itineraries, we thought this itinerary was going to give them a good idea of some of the different islands that we've been to before. And it was a good size ship, Adventure of the Seas. And the other thought we had, too, was if they really don't like the ship, I don't know how they couldn't. But if they really didn't like cruising, you were in port almost every single day but one. So you wouldn't have felt stuck on the boat in case they didn't like it. So all those things came together, and we picked that itinerary to go on based on those factors. Very nice. So you go to embark this ship the next day in Old San Juan. How was embarkation for you? It was okay. We, we always get there early. In fact, we got there too early. So we got there around 10 o'clock thinking the terminal building would open between 10, 10, 15. They, they would process you. And then most terminals have like a little waiting area. But this terminal is pretty small. So we got there around 10, checked our bags, and waited in line outside for almost an hour before they started letting people in. Once you were inside around 11, it was seamless. You went through security. We cruised with Royal Caribbean before, so we have the separate priority line to check in. Check in, got our pass cards, waited about 15-ish minutes, and then they let you on the ship. So uh, you get your, uh, make your way on to Adventure of the Seas. What were your first impressions of the ship? We had been reading online. You know we do a lot of research on the different pages, just like your page and a lot of other people's pages. And the ship was in good condition. Some people had been saying that it showed its age. I think it's about 14 years old now. But that was not the case in our opinion. It, everything was spotless and clean. We walked in on deck four, I believe, near the lobby bar. So... 
we always take pictures the first day because we like to be some of the first people on the ship. Mm-hmm. And most of the venues are kind of quiet. Everyone goes to either the wind jammer or gets lost somewhere on the ship when they first get on. Uh-huh. So we walked on, went right up to the top decks and started taking pictures and everything looked pristine. So uh, it's really a great ship. If anyone's been on like a freedom class or uh, some of the larger ships, you can definitely see how this ship is kind of used to model those other ships. So, um, yeah, we got on. We were ready to go and, and get the crew started. Nice. Um, you mentioned you had priority status with Royal Caribbean. Did that get you into the stateroom early? It didn't on this ship. No, the staterooms were ready. They say between around one thirty, it was a little bit closer to 2. But mm-hmm. I think that only if you – again, we did an inside room. I wouldn't know. Maybe if you had some suite, like a suite or something like that. The priority helped us. We were some of the first on the ship, so – we checked in earlier, made a separate line to check in, and then when they let people on the ship, they let all those priority people on first. So we did get on early, but we didn't. Um, we weren't able to get to our stateroom any earlier. Let's talk about the stateroom. You mentioned you had an interior room. What were your impressions of it? Well, we had what they call the promenade view. So it is an interior, but you have a big picture window that looks out to the promenade, which mm-hmm. if folks don't know is kind of like the mall in the middle of the ship that Royal Caribbean has. So it's a little bit bigger, but it's your pretty standard inside room. But it's designed a little bit more like a balcony room, so the, the bed's not against the inside wall like a typical inside. It was against, I think, the north-facing wall. We're used to inside rooms. I know some. I know our family members, we warned them it was going to be small. They didn't come out and say it, but it was smaller than they probably expected <laughs> it would be. But it did have a window, so you didn't feel so claustrophobic. And that window allowed a little more extra space, so we were able to store some stuff near there. But the room was clean. Our, our room attendant was awesome. Um, he always made up the room, and everything about it was what we would expect from a typical inside room. Have you ever sailed Majesty of the Seas? I haven't, no. Oh, those interior rooms are small. <laughs> oh, yeah. All caps, I- small. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we're, I guess we're just used to it. This is our 10th cruise. So mm-hmm. maybe the first couple times, we've only done one balcony before, and that was on Celebrity, and I think I talked to you about it when we did it last year. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, it felt bigger, but it didn't feel that much bigger. We're like, wow. People spend all this money and teach their own, but yeah. I guess we've just come accustomed to the small little inside room. I liked it. It was very cozy. I think it was actually 118 square feet, but it was still smaller than I was used to. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on here. So let's talk about food on Royal Caribbean's Adventure of the Seas. And uh, let's start at the top at Windjammer Marketplace, and then we'll mm-hmm. work our way down from there. So go ahead. Yeah, so we tend to go on bigger ships that have a few more dining options, but the ship had only a, f- a few. So the Windjammer was where we would go mostly for breakfast and lunch, uh, depending on the day. Sometimes we'd do room service for breakfast or something like that. But the food was on par with other Royal Caribbean ships. I would say the selection seemed a little bit more limited, and I'm not sure if that's because we were leaving from San Juan or because of the destinations we ended up going to, Mm -hmm. maybe because they weren't planning to go to some of the islands we ended up going to. But as far as food quality, it's what we would expect there. And then there is one specialty restaurant. We did not dine at it, but Giovanni's Table is kind of right next to the Windjammer. Mm -hmm. It was converted in 2014 to that restaurant before it was called Portofino's. How is the flow in the Windjammer as far as passengers? We know. We go off times. So we either try to go there first thing in the morning before it really kicks in around 8.30 or 9, or for lunch, we try to go a little bit later. Mm-hmm. We went, actually, I think one day too late, so that's bad on us for the selection. It was almost closing. And I feel for those folks, I mean, if it closes at 3 o'clock, like, they're getting ready at 2.58 because they, they've been so busy and they got to turn things over. So one time, we showed up and it was like 5 of 3 or something, or 10 of 3, right before they're supposed to close, and they were already kind of closing things up. But when we went... We never had an issue getting a table. There were plenty of people walking around cleaning tables. The morning that was the busiest. It took a little time to find a table, but we were able to get a table for four 
every time we went there. Okay, very nice. And uh, how about the main dining room? What were your impressions of it? We love the main dining room. We're one of those cruisers who very rarely eat at specialty restaurants. We did do the main dining room every single night. The service staff was on point. They were excellent. Uh, so was the bar service. And the food was, I think, a little bit better than the last cruise we went on. We went on Enchantment a few months ago. It was only a three-day sailing, so a different kind of atmosphere. But the stock menu that Royal Caribbean's had around for the last couple of years now with a few, I think they've made a few slight changes to some of the dishes. So they're similar but slightly different. And we had a great time. We, you know, tried different things. If you don't like it, or something else, in the in the food service staff, or you know, I like to eat, so they're totally cool with bringing extra entrees and things. So we really enjoyed the main dining room experience. What type of dining did you have? We did the traditional. We we've done my time dining before, but we did mm-hmm. the main dining at six, which for some people I know might be early, but um, that's what we did every single night. And is it just on the the shorter sailings, or did Royal Caribbean take off lobster off their menu except for a fee? No, they. It is only on the, on the longer sailings, the seven night, they, the second formal night, uh, is is a Caribbean lobster tail, okay. which is obviously different than the upgraded Maine lobster. And being from New England, obviously, we know the difference between Maine lobster and the Caribbean <laughs> lobster tail. So they did have it on there. I, I will admit, I might have had more than one. Okay. They're small, <laughs> but uh, they did have it on this cruise. Well, since you're a lobster connoisseur, which one is better in your book? Uh, um, Caribbean or I Maine? Mean, the Maine lobster is, Maine. is much more succulent. But honestly, I don't eat lobster that much anyway. I'm more of like a shellfish guy, personally. Mm-hmm. I, you can't go wrong with an, a, a nice boiled, you know, one-pound Maine lobster with some butter on the side. But that said, the lobster they served on the ship was cooked fine. And they bring you more than one if you wanted. So I can tell you that. <laughs> so you did Windjammer and you did the main dining room. Any other venues you dined? There is a 24-hour area called the Cafe Promenade, which has what they say is snacks, but it does rotate during the day. So early in the morning, they have kind of muffins and croissants and things like that. Then later throughout the day, they have pizza and then pre-made sandwiches. Mm-hmm. So we did stop in there, usually like when we got back from Port Call because it's too late to go to the Windjammer or just be too busy if we got back from an early excursion. So we'd go there, grab a couple of pre-made sandwiches, and then they do have lattes and drinks there too. Mm-hmm. So we would get like some coffee for a pick-me-up because we were up every morning. I, I think we woke up earlier on this cruise than I do for work because we were up every morning to get off the ship by 8, 8.30. Ah, interesting. Nice. Well, let's switch gears here and talk about entertainment aboard Adventure of the Seas. Uh, what do you think of the entertainment? We'll start in the main show theater and kind of work your way around the ship. Yeah, so they have the main the Lyric Theater, which they had two production shows with the singers and dancers. Mm-hmm. We had seen one of them before another ship, and this other one was kind of new to at least to our experiences. And and I don't know if it's a newer show, but the the new show Jackpot was really well done. The other show was not as good as we kind of remembered it, and maybe I don't know if it was the cast or maybe the show is just seems a little old to us. But so the production shows were okay. They had two headliner acts. One was better than the other. But um, I think pretty typical for for a cruise. And then they did have a comedian, a late night comedy show at the end. But they call it adult only late night. I think it started at like 1030 or 1045. But it wasn't too raunchy. I always say they're like a PG-13-ish type okay. comedy show. But all in all, everyone had a good time. We always would go to the show. Uh, they also have an ice show. They have an ice rink there for people who don't know the ship. And they do a nice show a couple days a week there, so we did get to see that, and that's always pretty enjoyable. So definitely plenty to do as far as formal entertainment's concerned. Did you uh, do any ice skating? I don't want to break, break my leg <laughs> on a trip. No, I always joke around. We've done the roller skating on Quantum, and that lasted maybe 15, 20 minutes before we both looked at each other and like, yeah, we're, before something bad happens, we said we did it and we got off. But ice skating 
and we've been on a couple of ships now that have the ice skating. We haven't ventured there, but if folks do want to do it, you do need to wear long pants, and they're pretty strict about that. So make sure you have like a pair of jeans or something if if you do want to go ice skating because they won't let you ice skate in like shorts, no matter how warm it is outside. <laughs> as we always say on the show here, one thing that defines a cruise ship is how it behaves during sea day as far as passenger flow, both inside and out. So with that said, how was that? It was fine. It was it was better than expected, I would say. The one really good sea day we had where everyone was outside, we were up normal time. We got actually a really great deck chair spot near starboard side pool. And then some of the other days when we'd get back from port, if we got back from early and we wanted to take a dip or get some sun, there was very few people around. As it got a little bit closer to Sailaway, because most Sailaways for us were between 5 and 6, uh, there was one real late one that was 11, that was Aruba. But for the most part, as you got closer to the sail away, more people were on the pool decks, but you still could always find a sun chair. You could always get into the pool to dip, uh, to cool off. So we were really happy with the outdoor space. The last day it was raining because we were literally behind Tropical Storm Erica. Mm-hmm. So no one could go outside. All the outside decks were closed. It was raining for most of the morning. Even so, I think the inside held its own. Uh, you know, they have the sidewalk sales, and there were more people around the cafe promenade, or a couple of the bars were open. But being in the situation, it was busy, but it wasn't as crowded as the last sea day we had on Allure a few years ago. It rained the last sea day, and it just was felt like you were stuck in a can of sardines. Um, oh but not on this ship. So it, I would say if, if folks are concerned about that, I know some people don't like to cruise or leery about cruising because they're going to feel like they're trapped on the ship. Even when it was busy, it didn't feel like you were trapped. It, you know, you had definitely good space to maneuver. Nice. Very nice. Let's talk about the itinerary because, uh, first off, what was the original itinerary supposed to be? And then give us the one you actually did. So the original, original, because it changed twice, was uh, St. Martin, St. Kitts, St. Lucia, Antigua, and Barbados. So we had been to all those islands before, and that's one reason we had picked this cruise because we like a lot of those islands and thought our family would like them. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was we got notified the day before, so Friday, literally we're in airports getting emails, and then the email was blank. We couldn't read it. So then we heard people on the plane were telling us about the new itinerary. That Friday, they changed it to St. Martin, Aruba, Bonnier, and St. Thomas. But then because of Hurricane Erica, we left Saturday. It must have been Monday they announced that we weren't going to go to St. Thomas. We were going to go to Curacao. So we ended up actually doing St. Martin and then the ABC Islands. Hmm. Okay. So like, what are your thoughts on that? Would you have rather done the original or did you like the, the modified itinerary? It's tough to say because we're big planners. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so folks know us or, or read any of our stuff. You know, we plan stuff months in advance. Sure. And the problem was we, we kind of had an idea with the hurricane because the hurricane was making news Tuesday or Wednesday before our trip, that they were probably going to have to alter some of the stops. So we had done a little pre-research on Aruba and Curacao because the ship does go there quite often. Uh-huh. So we had a general idea of what we could do, but we had some private tours booked at the other islands and some other things set up. And when they officially change, it's like we didn't really have enough time to start calling private tour companies or looking around to do research. So we made the best of it, but if we would have known it was those islands, we probably would have found – you know. We, I mean, we enjoyed being on those islands, but we had to kind of basically go with the – is either go on our own completely as soon as we got off the ship or book stuff through the cruise line, which is what we ended up doing just because we had our family. And I didn't want to say, oh, yeah, we're getting off at this island just winging it for eight hours. So with that said, we, made, we had a great time on those islands. We definitely would go back to them. And we just, you know, hopefully next time we'd be able to do a little more research and plan what we're going to do there instead of trying to plan it in like a day. Right. Very nice. 
Yeah. Well, in closing here, Don, let's talk about some first-time tips you may have, some been-there-done-that tips for people who may be considering this itinerary or adventure of the seas or any, any sailing out of San Juan. Well, we've already mentioned some of them. So if you're going to sail out of San Juan, definitely get there a day before or plan to at least stay the day after. There's a lot of great stuff to do in San Juan mm-hmm. um, that you want to take advantage of while you're leaving there. Because you're leaving for San Juan, there's going to be less sea days because you can get down to the Southern Caribbean faster. So we do a lot of planning. I suggest definitely looking at the itinerary and, and doing some research about all the ports of call. And we you know book through the cruise line or you can book privately. But either way, you know, definitely do some pre-research because it is going to be very port intensive. And we recommend getting plenty of sleep, water, and caffeine. It was 90 degrees every day, and we were up early to get to those islands. So definitely stay hydrated and get out there and do stuff. That's kind of the fun of having a really port intensive itinerary. And as far as Adventure of the Seas is concerned, it's a great ship. You know, Take advantage of, of all the free things they have, like the ice skating, they have the rock climbing wall, they have a mini golf course. So it has a lot of different stuff for families as well as solo travelers. And just use it while you're there because you're going to be at port all day when you get back to the ship. It's tough to fit it all in, but you can do it. And it'll be a jam-packed vacation, but a great vacation. Very nice. And final thoughts of Adventure of the Seas. Definitely would sail on her again. She does a lot of different itineraries. So she was the first Voyager class ship we've ever been on. I would definitely do another Voyager class ship. But if you check out that ship, they have like five or six different rotating Southern Caribbean itineraries. And I believe she's there through 2017. So we would definitely do that ship again, but we'd want to make sure we get to different islands. Very nice. Well, if you want to catch any of Don's coverage from Adventure of the Seas, check out his website, eatsleepcruise.com, photo tours, articles, all that right there. We'll also link to it in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. We've been talking with Don Buclo, just returned from a seven-night Southern Caribbean sailing, a modified one because of the hurricanes and tropical storms aboard Adventure of the Seas. Don, my friend, thanks for being on the show this evening. Oh, Thank you very much for having us. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.